Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a great show for you tonight, so let's get right into it. But I want to lead it off a little differently. Normally, I throw it to the panel right here, but I don't want to get usurped in my wishing Stephalicious D. Steph Driver a happy birthday. So I want to do that right off the bat. I just want to say, Steph and I have been working together for a really, really long time. Uh, I've... uh, I don't even know how long at this point. Probably we first, seven years? Yeah, we first met at the second ever episode of the Ava Graham Hour. Uh, we turned that into, I mean, the Sons of Penn podcast, yelling about sports, and we came over to Broad Street Hockey together. Uh, we've all since then, I mean... Kelly's freaking living in Canada. <laughs> Charlie's running wow. the Flyers website for the Athletics. Steph runs all of NHL for SB Nation. I still yell about shit. Uh, <laughs> we've all, I mean, we've all been together a really long time, and Steph is one of the people who's made this thing uh, really go and get it to where it is. And we're not stopping anytime soon. So I just want to say, Steph, you mean a lot to me personally. You mean a lot to me professionally, and happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm 25, everybody. 25. It's true. I didn't even throw the fake number out like I do every year. He usually like wishes me a happy 50th birthday. Yeah. I was going to go with 44th this this okay. year, but decided against it. Well, thank you. But now let me throw it to Canada's own Kelly Hinkle. So since Bill stole my shouting about Stephalicious D. Steph Driver's birthday. I mean, thunder, we can all do that. That's okay. Happy birthday, Steph. <laughs> um, I will say that somehow, as I prepare show i found that i had less to talk about now than i did in like early august like now it's just like there's the team they've played one single hockey game and now we wait this waiting game is terrible it has been five months since they played last (laughs) just when will we play again i don't know allegedly wednesday we'll see it's it's painful having to wait this long, oh, but wow. it's also good because they haven't disappointed us. True. And they're still <laughs> undefeated, so yeah. let's just roll with that. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So there's a story that came out today that was funny on a couple levels. It wasn't, fly, it wasn't directly Flyers related, but it's funny because the Flyers, it's tangentially funny with regards to the Flyers. So Vitaly Kravtsov, who is uh, one of the Rangers' top prospects, he was expected to make the Rangers. He did not make the Rangers. They surprisingly sent him down. And apparently, after his first game of playing in the AHL for our old pal Chris Knobloch, Vitaly Kravtsov was benched, was scratched. And apparently... He was scratched for a lack of effort in the first period of his first AHL game. So a couple things here. Number one, Chris Knobloch really did learn from the master Dave Hackstall. Yeah. I mean, he he picked up a lot of those right lessons. Right away! That. I know. Like, this is like one of his first things as head coach of an AHL team, and he's like, you know who I want to be like? I want to be like Dave. Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you have hope? Let me ruin it. Second, and this to me is just as funny, is the fact that Rangers fans for years 
screamed about how Elaine Vino was like the worst thing ever and he made all the bad decisions and he hated the kids and the kids were terrible under him. And now like David Quinn has done the exact same shit that Elaine Vino did, but somehow it's okay because his name isn't Elaine Vino. Yeah. And now like the whole organization is doing the same shit that Elaine Vino did, but somehow for a lot of fans it's okay because it's not Elaine Vino. Like I, I actually think there's a learning, there's something to be learned about this because like we're kind of going to have the same type of shit where Vino is going to do stuff that Hack did and we're going to yeah. want to like give him the benefit of the doubt. And that's understandable to a degree, but just make sure you're being consistent. Make Never. sure you're being consistent where it's like, if there was something that Dave Haxel did that really pissed you off and Vino's doing the exact same thing, don't hold back on the criticism. Got to be fair. Chucky, you know I value your analysis and your opinions as much as anybody in Flyerland, but, but. Um, I refuse to be consistent. <laughs> However, <laughs> listen, I think that coaches get a grace period. That's I, fair. Th- I think that all new regimes get a grace period. That being said, we are all incredibly irrational and emotional and we're going to complain about stuff that we don't like no matter who's behind the bench. Seriously, we have a show to do, so we can't <laughs> we've got, stop complaining. We've got stuff to say. And like, I, th- <laughs> I think the other lesson that Charlie's kind of alluding to here is something we talked about last week. Um, this is just hockey. Like When I asked how many teams in the league have optimized their lineup, we all looked at each other and laughed. Like This is, and I'm not saying I have no idea whether Vitaly Kravstov hustled or not. I don't know. I'm just saying this is how all hockey men do it. 100% of hockey men do it the same way. It's true. It's just like... A guy like Hack, and I don't want to spend too much time rehashing Hackstall because we had a whole summer to do that, but like a guy like Hack has has nothing. Like he has nothing to draw upon for us to respect his decisions. While Elaine Vigneault has three presidents trophies and a couple of conference championships to go on to okay. be like okay. maybe he does know what he's doing. So I mean maybe listen, I could end up hating this guy in a week. I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> it's it's totally possible. I've turned on people a lot quicker for a lot less. <laughs> I'm just saying like this is just kind of how hockey goes. I'm just saying that like as an outsider, yeah. like I agreed with with Rangers fans to a point that, like, the fact that Dan Girardi was with Ryan McDonough for four years was dumb. Agreed. That was dumb. That's a reason to be angry at him. But by the end, it seemed like they had convinced themselves that Elaine Vigneault was a sociopath. And it's, <laughs> it's just funny to me that, like, the guys after Elaine Vigneault are doing the exact same shit, and somehow it's fine. Like, it's just, I, hypocrisy bothers me, and the Rangers fan base as a whole, is very hypocritical. That's fun. All right. Uh, we have a lot of uh, Game 1 stuff to get to. A lot. What, what Steph? You, you didn't introduce me. I, oh, that's right. I wished you happy birthday, but never actually introduced <laughs> yeah. you. I think that's perfect. I think that's perfect. That's fine. Perfect Let's window into our relationship. Perfect. Of course, Steph Alicious D, Steph Driver. It is my birthday, and I worship at the altar of Travis Konechny. Thank you. And we're going to... It's. I want to use that as the... And get right into the TK stuff, because, man, if there's... Any takeaways from game one, it's that Connect Me came to play. Uh, but let's start with the news of the day, as I always say. Uh, man, this rage room, this is fun. Oh my God. So, number is one. Is this not Fly Purbley's idea? It was Fly Purbley's idea. They, they went to the uh, assembly room launch. Um, which we couldn't attend because it was on a day that we were recording. And they they Talked about it on an episode of Fly Purbly and said, you know, now all they need is something called the Spectrum Room that smells like stale beer and pee and cigarettes 
and <laughs> people just break shit and destroy the room. My college house? Essentially, yes. <laughs> um, and the Flyers did it. Does it bother? I love the fly purpley guys. I really do. Glad we brought them on last year. Does it bother you? It seems like they get more of the flyers' ear than us. So, like we've been what doing this hell? forever. We have one of the most reputable beat reporters in uh, all of Philadelphia on our show, and Charlie too. <laughs> <laughs> we have Steph who runs SB Nation, and it's me. It really must it's be me. Gotta be you. <laughs> God damn it. So I need I need to for people who don't know because yeah, this yeah, came out kind of late. Start at so the Frank Saravalli tweeted out and I'm just gonna read it. True story and maybe the most Philly thing ever, Flyers have added a quote rage room to the Wells Fargo Center where participants wearing protective gear can smash, break, and unleash their rage upon everyday items like televisions and dishes using bats, sledgehammers, and more. The Flyers say some of the items in the Rage Room will feature the logo of the opposing team. Fittingly, the Rage Room will, uh, will be officially named the Disassembly Room and will be located behind the Assembly Room, named for the room in Independence Hall where the Declaration of Independence was signed. This is so good. Yeah, and to be clear, this wasn't like reported by, I'm not, not, not shitting on Frank, this was literally sent out on a press release an hour ago by the Flyers. So like, this has been mm-hmm. full, this has been fully announced. That was, yeah, the Flyers put out a video on their Twitter with Katie Nolan and Gritty just breaking stuff. I was like, oh, this is a funny thing. <laughs> and then I saw it was real. Man, this place, wait for the first, like, blown third period lead. There's going to be more people in the disassembly room line than there are I, in the freaking like, stands. Are they charging people to get into this room? Because this is Genius. People would pay. Oh yeah, people would pay. If you, if you haven't seen the video, everyone. I mean, if I haven't seen it. It's really funny. It's Katie Nolan setting the whole thing up, and then she's like, "Just to show you this, it's I have to bring in one of Philly's own, and it's gritty, and he's got a big crowbar, and he's like." Hand, be, uh, banging it against his hand and it's like, you know, his hand squeaks. So it's <laughs> freaking hilarious. Funny. But listen, there's a lot to be mad about with the Flyers over the last couple of years. I freaking love Gritty, man. <laughs> I, I just, I, it's so good. I do think it's it's weird that like there's now a subsection of the fan base that's decided it's cool to hate Gritty. Oh, well, of course. It's oh, like, no. no, like he's fun. Come on. It's fun. Like I get that the team hasn't been good, but you don't have to take out your frustration on the team on the actual good mascot. It's one of those like, well, they're not making the team any better. That's but, exactly what But it they is. have this yeah. map. Do, like, do you think Ron Hextall sat down and made gritty? Like these oh, are God, not, these are two not. absolutely different sections of the team. <laughs> the PR has nothing to do with the guys who make the decisions. Uh, but uh, in, in all in all honesty, the PR people are like it. desperately trying yes! to make up for the fact that people making the decisions have been making bad ones for a while. But that's a lot of that, a lot of that anti-gritty sections. Well, all the fans care about now is gritty. They don't even care about the team back in the day when we used to smoke cigarettes and be able to beat the team up ourselves. Well, like, now they can beat up stuff. Yeah, now you can go so, break shit too. You so. just can't beat people up. This you can is, beat up inanimate objects. This is like so rational human. Is being. this like a? <laughs> please don't throw stuff on the. We have a room where you can. <laughs> yes. We have a room. Yes. Please do not throw like the beer steins on the ice. <laughs> please <laughs> just come here and break the shit we give you. We'll have a box of bracelets in the yeah. room. You, you can, can throw, throw them to your heart's yeah. content. Can uh. you imagine if they just like put one Dave Hackstall image on a plate? 
It, it would like, last about ten seconds. Like here's just yeah. They'd have to mass. There'd have to be more of these than any <laughs> given. <laughs> we have to do a show from the rage room. Oh my god! That's oh my god! We yes. have to make happen. We have like, to. The team doesn't love us, but we know the uh, the charity, the Flyers charity. The team the, doesn't dislike us. No, I don't know that. I, uh, I do. They don't dislike the, us. Uh, we have to get in with the uh, the Snyder Youth Foundation. They have to figure figure out a way for us to be able to do a show from there. Okay. All right. Let's get into the actual action because uh, about 18 months ago, the Flyers, this is like a season of uh, basketball that's longer than a year. About 18 months ago, the Flyers played their opener. Uh, it was a weird season. Oh my God. Do we have back-to-backs coming up too? Yeah, yeah of course we do. Next yeah, week. Of course. As, not only is it back-to-backs, it's back-to-backs like later than usual on a weekday because they're in Canada. Yeah. Uh-huh. Calgary okay. and Edmonton. Going out baby. west. Good, yeah. good, good. Going on that uh, road. Normal stuff. Ro- it's fine. Totally Every, normal. It's great. Uh, but the Flyers win their opener for the fourth season in a row. They win it four to three. They that's beat. Such, that's such a bizarre stat. <laughs> like Jordan Hall tweeted. I know. Jordan Hall tweeted that out before the game. The Flyers won their last three season overs. And my only response, really? Yeah. I it know. does not <laughs> feel like that. No. I it's just. because they lose the whole yeah. openers. Yeah. And I just. Yeah. I was, and I talked about this on the last show because I just looked it up when Voracek had that quote. Well, if we start three and zero, no one will care. I was like, well, you haven't had a three and zero start since 2012, so how would you even know? But I was like, I just looked this up and don't even remember putting together that they won four, uh, their last three. But now it's four in a row. They beat the Blackhawks in the Czech Republic. The game started, of course, at two o'clock on a Friday. So that's a lot of fun for everybody. You know, I gotta say, I don't care. But it was a really nice work day that I. Could could just end my my day at two o'clock and watch hockey the rest of the afternoon. I had uh, at my other job, I had a remote broadcast to set up that started at two p.m. at a bar. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I got and I was like directly set up in front of their big TV. So I mean, I I probably screwed up at work a bunch, but I got to watch the whole game. Listen, my job is to watch hockey. So, <laughs> but I guess let's just start. I'm sorry, humble brag. Humble brag. Let, let's start with. Um, Travis Konechny, man. I love Two that. goals. He had an assist added, so three points in the opener. Already, that contract is a steal now. Yes. Yes. Sure. I am obsessed with the uh, Limblom couturier Konechny line. It's... I'm obsessed. We talked a little bit uh, last week about the new lines and how we weren't going to get Couturier, Giroux, and Konechny. Uh, and it's still a little odd to see these combinations but i will say i'm obsessed they have a little bit these two lines now they have that all right guess what connectney he's good from you know his from the offensive side of the red line in so you know what we're gonna do put him with two guys who really excel from the other side of the red line and he can go create the offense and what did he do he went and created offense uh saying i mean hayes and drew all right voracek might not be what he used to be boom we have two Really good lines right now, but Travis Konechny, for a guy who started the last two years really slowly, um, this has got to be encouraging, right? So yeah, I, I loved what I saw in Travis Konechny. I will be the person who's like the downer and say I still don't like the lines, and okay. I don't want them to be the like. I'm fine. They they work great in game one, and the fact of the matter is, is that like we didn't have any other games for them to not look good in, so we're just still like kind of carried off that high from game one. I don't like the lines because I still want Drew Couturier. And that's just because, to me, like, they've been one of the best duos in hockey. And as much as I love Limbaum, and I do, he's a support guy. And I'd rather have him supporting—I think it's stupid 
I'm going to flat say I think it's stupid to have Lim Lam and Kinect and Lim Lam and Katuri on the same line because you don't put your two best play drivers together because you want to spread out the play driving ability. Like that line is going to be awesome because Kinect is great offensively and Katuri and Lim Lam are your two best two way forwards on the team right now. But I just think it's kind of wasting it unless the Hayes Drew Voracek line also can kill it. And I didn't see them kill it in game one. I don't love this setup, even though it worked in game one. Go ahead, go. I was surprised it worked as well as it did, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be a tire fire. So I, I don't think Chuck heard me say that I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed with this because if if the the Giroux Hayes Voracek line, I'm, wa- sorry, I'm watching the video of the Rage Room right now and it's astounding. <laughs> um, if they can get it together, and I believe that three veterans. Uh, three skilled veterans can pull it together. Then we've got two top lines. And then what? Nolan Patrick comes back, and we've got probably the best fourth line center in the league. All right. Suck it. Oh, uh, on got, her birthday. On my birthday of all days. <laughs> um, we've got two really strong, you know, not top lines. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe like I, I guess my thought process, and maybe I was, maybe I was a little bit too too optimistic. I looked at a Limblom Hayes Voracek line kind of as a potential other top line too. Mm-hmm. It's just that I know that Drew Katuri and and uh, and Konechny are already one of the best lines in hockey. Look, I'm not saying that Limblom Katuri Konechny won't be a great line. I think it's a great line because I think you have, as I said, the two best player drivers on the team and then maybe the best offensive forward on the team in Travis Konechny. It's going to kill it. I just wonder what that does to... It just... I guess I'd be more open to it if I knew that Kevin Hayes was going to be awesome. Okay. Like, if Kevin Hayes is what I think he's going to be, which is just a good player, and I'm totally fine with that because they needed just another good center. If if that's all he's gonna be, I don't like I'm not in love with that second line. If if Kevin Hayes is gonna be the guy who his numbers were through the roof good relative to his teammates, like they were with the Rangers before he got moved to went to Winnipeg, then sure. Then then Hayes Drew Voracek should work great. But I just I hate throwing away that Drew Couturier combo because it's just so damn good. You know I love that combo. Never wanted to see him broken up. Uh but I do think there is like I guess you're just counting on because Hayes, we don't know if he's that top level or just good. And yeah, just yeah. good is fine. But with Giroux and with Voracek, you would think maybe it takes a little while for the chemistry to get going, but you would think those two can get the absolute most out of him. And then with Couturier, who's that great play driver, we can get a little bit more offense out of Limblom if he's, you know, because he doesn't have to focus on the uh, defensive aspect as much, and they can all get involved. But I'm just so, I'm so impressed with Konechny. Uh, I want to, 2017-18, it took him 10 games to get to goal number two. Uh, 2018-19 took him eight games to get to goal number two. We're one game in, and for a team that needed a fast start, um, they won, and also he flashed that skill, man. Like, remember that Boston Bruins goal last year where he just ripped up Marchand, and we were all like, "This <laughs> is who he could be." Yep. He already he looks like that guy. I'm really excited to see his progression through this season because I wrote an article for Broad Street Hockey a couple of weeks ago. Like, we talked on this show 
we spent a lot of time saying what he is and what he isn't, but I wanted to focus more on what he is and what he could be. And through one game, and again, one freaking game, he could go scoreless in his next eight, and who the hell knows. But through one game, he looks like he is the guy ready to take that next step that they so badly need. Yeah, and he's making me look smart because I said that this is going to be his breakout season. So far, so good. I mean, the big thing with Konechny that I've that I've always believed is that the thing with the thing with like forwards in terms of how they grade out by advanced metrics is that there tends to be like a either or dichotomy where it's like okay either he's a play driver or he's a liability and the weird thing about Konechny and this is honestly why like I love the Drew Couturier Konechny line and why I think this line will work as well is that Konechny's weird in that he's certainly not a, a play driver or a line driver but if you put him with those types of guys He's not only not going to drag them down, he's actually going to elevate them. Like, he just can't be the guy that everyone looks to on the line, and he certainly can't be the guy who everyone looks to to be good defensively. But he's a great finishing piece. He's a great finishing piece, and not only, like, usually you put those finishing piece types, like, yeah, they elevate the shooting percentages, but, like, team has to puck a little bit less because they're just kind of a liability. Konechny makes those guys better at the other stuff because he's just so damn good at offense that if you just put him on a line where he's only going to have to play defense 35% of the time or 40% of the time, then he's going to make sure that you only have to play it 30% of the time because he's so good in the offensive zone that it just he increases the amount of time those already good players would spend on the attack, which then makes his weakness even less of an impact because he's spending even less time on defense where he's not as good. So, like, I oh, that's why I wanted him with guys like Drew and Katuri, and that's why he should work with guys like Katuri and Limblom because Limblom, low-key, was an amazing play driver last year, and low-key pretty much has been an amazing play driver since he got on the team. So I don't worry about him, and I certainly yeah. don't worry about Katuri. I mean, Katuri might be the best two-way center in hockey right now. He very well could be, and that's I think you tweeted, uh, or maybe it was in your 10 things, Charlie, like the... Those low-key things that if you watch Couturier on a night-in, night-out basis, you see them and you start to notice them because you're looking for them. Because yeah. people like you have been telling me how the numbers weren't there, but he's actually making these crazy plays. And then you watch him and go, oh, yeah, you're right. That little that little shuffle step to kick the puck over to so Konechny on, so the, on the one he didn't score. Yeah. Like, that is such a high-skilled play. Was that the one that fooled Jim Jackson? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he scored. No, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that one was great. Um, what I loved about that play, and that's why I highlighted it in my article, because it looked like a lucky bounce, and it wasn't. It literally, it looked like it looked like Torinsky did a wraparound. And it just, he wrapped it around, the goalie made the save, it bounced off somebody and went to Konechny. I was looking at that like, wow, that's a good play by Torinsky to kind of set that whole thing up. And then they showed the overhead. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Did Kateria kick that puck to, to kick Konechny? And then I slipped like, it's exactly what he did. And you didn't even, real time, you didn't even see him in the play. I did not even realize watching that live he was in the damn play. I didn't know he was that close. Like, yeah. just... Yeah, he's so subtle and good. And here's my, well, we're going to move on in a second, but I just want to, one more thing to wrap up that top line because people have been talking about it. Do you think there's something to the idea that we always know we can go back to Giroux, Couturier, Konechny? Like, that's the, all right, 
this yes. is what we need to do. Yes, I, I Let, do. If this that, works, it's a whole different thing. It's even harder. For, like, who can match up offensively or defensively with the Couturier, Limblom? Like, they're going to be out against top competition. They're going to outdrive them and outscore them. And then suddenly, we have Drew and Voracek out against second lines. Like, well, not funny thing is not even that. This was the really interesting thing that I didn't really get a chance to highlight. In a way, much. games when they're matching up with us more well, so than. Well, not here's the thing. They didn't even use the Hayes line against second line. No. They used them against the third line. Which is genius. This, and this was the great thing. They used Lawton against Strom and Debrinkit, and Lawton's line did pretty damn well. That's yeah. the thing I wanted to go to next with, um, and it, like obviously Konechny really stood out, but anyone else we were maybe a little, like, under the radar, because he didn't have three points, anyone else we were uh, a little more impressed by in the opener that maybe hasn't gotten the publicity, because JVR... He had a good game. Man. He had a really good game. If that's the JVR we're getting on the third line, Coolio. That works for me. Coolio. You know, I I was I was I need really, him on the top power play though still. Yeah. I was impressed with most most of the team, to be honest. Yeah. Let me let me change that. Most of the offense. The defense I'm still unsure about, and I kinda need Provorov to pull his head out of his ass. Uh-huh. Um but the 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 top line you know, or let me try this again. The Couturier line, Kevin Hayes stood out more than the other two, which, you know, G and and Jake kind of start slow. We've seen that for years, and that's just how it goes. Um, but I was I was impressed with Kevin Hayes. The second line I'm obsessed with. Like, I've got nothing else to say about them. I'm obsessed with them. The third line, in a Twerinsky didn't look out of place. He looked good. I, I'm, I'm actually I'm working on an article. What I was doing today was working on an article breaking down Twerinsky and Bunneman's first games. And Twerinsky, the more I watched his shifts, he looked good. Yeah, he had, he had a good he, game. He didn't look out of place. Bunneman kind of did. Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't like his game as much. No, I, I think that once that's been the general consensus. Yeah, and I don't think. I, I, I hesitate to say he'll never be an NHL player because I don't think that that's necessarily true. I just think it's a little bit too soon for him right now. Um, so when Nolan Patrick comes back, when Pitlick, what's Tyler? What's his first name? Tyler Pitlick. I um, thought he looked pretty good. Was he playing? I don't know. Yeah, he got yeah, an assist. Yeah, he was out there. Oh. Yeah, on that Raffle goal? Raffle looked good. Oh, oh Roff, Michael Raffle. Yeah, Roffle. that was the next guy I wanted to... Michael Raffle and his power moves with just his core that's made of steel is astounding. I, I love I love Michael Raffle and I will never stop and I will never apologize. Suck it, Bill. Kelly, who were you most impressed by? So I missed this game. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. But, but watching the highlights... Um, Torinsky is actually the one that I was most interested to see how he did. So I was kind of glad to see that he did well because I really wasn't sure about him being the third line winger. So it was nice to see that he he fit in. Yeah, I mean he didn't score. And and obviously, you know, if you want to be a, if you want to be on the third line, eventually you're gonna have to score some points. That would be good. But I thought he looked good. And that line, as I said, that line got the tougher matchups than the Hayes line. And actually the the Lawton line actually did a better job driving play than the Hayes line, and the Hayes line was facing off against like David Kampf, who, and and the and you had a, I think the the one good guy on the line that they were facing was uh, uh, Brandon Sod, who's like okay, he's not as good as he used to be, he's still pretty good, but you got Lawton, JVR, and Torinsky, so you've got. Such a weird. Well, it's just line. like Lawton's a guy who there are a lot of people in the organization think he's better at wing 
JVR is a guy who not only is he known for not being great defensively, he was actually playing the right side, which I talked to him today, and he was like, yeah, aside from like a game here and there, I've like never done that before. And then Chorinsky, who was in his first NHL game, they threw him out there against Dylan Strome, who had a monster second half last year in Chicago, and Alex Abrinkit, who just got a big contract extension because he's one of the best young players in hockey. They threw him out there against those guys, and they beat them. Like, they mm-hmm. won that matchup, and that's cool. I, it might just be a one-game thing, but that was a, hey, maybe this line might have something here. And if they're going to use it, like, if JVR can pitch in with a little bit of offense, Lawton... A, so, hopefully more than a little. Yeah, a little yeah, on, at 5-on-5, five five, he's going to pitch in with some, I just third line, whatever it's going to be. If they're going to be used in those types of matchups and just break even, but maybe with JVR you have a decent enough shooting percentage, Lawton and Terensky can grind them a little bit, and then... Our third line wins every matchup if we're going to be using, you know, the Hayes line as yeah, a yeah. third line. I mean, that's that's some good coaching, and that's what I want to get to in a minute. But, uh, Steph, you mentioned the defense. The defense. I will say, uh, like, Provorov had the turnovers, but I didn't think he was as bad as maybe the the standout plays looked. But I will say... We're going to have the puck, man, and that's if my number one takeaway, and you have it right here, way too early reactions to game one, if we have the puck this much, the defense is going to be just fine. It'll be be okay. I just, you know, coming off the season that he had last year and then this season, I just need him to pull his head out of his ass. Um, But again, he put up monster minutes. I think he'll be fine. You know, just do a little bit better. Um, Sanheim looks amazing. Um, what were my other thoughts? I didn't hate the ghost brawn pairing. Well, ghost Hague. That's the one that I meant Braun to say. Braun was with uh, Braun Proby, was with, yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't hate that, but Hague still looks a step behind and out of place. Um, those are my thoughts on the defense. Thank you. Yeah, I just feel I am like, not conv- Yeah, I'm not convinced that these pairs are going to stick. I just feel I like... I don't know how long it's going to take for them to get Myers back up, but it just makes too much sense to have him in instead of Hague. Like, it just does. And I I get it. You know, there's there's cap implications here and whatnot, but, like, I just don't. If if you're going to have Ghost on the third pair, give him a better partner than Robert Hague. I actually, the, the pairing I liked the most, interestingly enough, was the, uh, was the Sanheim-Niskanen pairing. And I came into this game expecting I was going to like Braun's game more than Niskanen. Niskanen had one bad play, which was the one play where he looked old when Andrew Shaw was blasting down the ice and Niskanen clearly could not keep up. And that looked bad. But aside from that, I thought Niskanen had a very solid game. When, When the game wasn't being played at light speed, he looked very good. And most of the time, in the defensive zone, it wasn't being played like a trade chances back and forth kind of game. Chicago was setting up, and Niskanen was you know, creating zone exits and having decent chemistry with Travis Sanheim, which was pretty cool considering the fact that they like never played with each other. Yeah. Like, that was the pairing that I kind of came out of the game being like, you know, out of these, out of these three pairs, that's the one I don't... I, I could see that having a future together. Because that was that one Niskanen play. That's like the nightmare with Niskanen. Because yeah, yeah. the whole idea, we talked about this in the summer, was we're going to turn the kids loose, and then Niskanen's the last guy back. Well, if he's the last guy back, and he's going to get blown by, we didn't fix anything. Yeah. But, I mean, mm-hmm. if again, if we're going to have the puck a lot, and sometimes things go, like, it's not going to, no one's going to be 100%. I'm looking forward to seeing how these pairs gel, and I don't expect 
them to hold. I ex- they oh, yeah, got, oh yeah, they're gonna they got to get this. Stuff, yeah, right? they got to yeah. get this cap thing. Um, Wilinski's back. He's skating practice. He's, he's so, not cleared. No, so he he was at. I was I was a practice day. He showed up to Saul practice Olinsky. to start. He was Solinsky. Yeah. He showed up to practice <laughs> at the start. He was wearing the white non-contact jersey. He was he did like a couple of the early drills and then he left. Okay. So he's not he's not ready to be cleared to be removed from the roster. But he's clearly getting closer. If he's you know starting, he maybe I would guess. If I had to guess, I would say he probably doesn't go on the trip. And then maybe after the trip is done, they they figure it out and they get up because like they're gonna have to make probably some decisions. They're gonna have to make some decisions before they go on this trip because presumably they're gonna want to bring some extra people since they're going to Vancouver and then Calgary and then Edmonton. And I guess you could plausibly just you know fly someone out if someone were to get hurt, but it's it's dangerous. So. We are going to take just a quick break to pay them bills, and we will be back in just a second. I (laughs) promised everyone I would say it like that. Uh, We will be back in just a second, and uh, we're going to talk about this ridiculous early season schedule a little bit more. Okay, fam, we are back, and as promised, let's get into the uh, the nitty-gritty of this. (laughs) See that? Uh, Aren't you clever? Yeah, aren't I? It's like I'm a professional or something. Uh, We're going to get into this schedule that Charlie alluded to right before we went to break. Uh, Of course, last Friday they opened the season. It's a 2 p.m. start over here on the American East Coast. And then, uh, you know, they're in the Czech Republic, so they have some travel time to come on back. Four days off before the home opener, which is tomorrow, Wednesday, the, what, 9th? Uh, for anyone listening, not right now. Uh, and then the West Coast, I want to call it the West Coast trip, but it's not really the coast. It's just Western shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have Saturday at the Canucks, Tuesday at the Flames, Wednesday at the Oilers. That's right. Already a back to back. Like, this is, people are complaining about it online today, and I'm tired of like blaming anything. Like, I don't care about, the, I don't care if they played 10 days in a row. I mean, 10 in a row is obviously a lot, but like, I'm tired. This is a, now a veteran team. Drew, uh, we have all uh, Voracek, Couture, these guys have been around forever. We have Niskanen and Braun, they should be leaders. Hayes, JVR, and then a bunch of youngsters whose legs should be fine. I don't want to complain about the schedule. But God damn it, let's complain about the schedule a little bit because it's just silly. Like I'm not going to use it as an excuse, but it is a silly schedule. It is. There's so many days in between games and then a back-to-back. It's like, come on. And I Why? get it with the travel, but man, already. Like, we're already getting into this. I just, like, one of these years, the NHL has to cut. I'm not even talking about the Flyers, because apparently Fletcher actually wanted them to go on this second trip to get it out of the way while everybody's still resting yeah. and relatively healthy. I'm not talking about the Flyers. The NHL has to cut the fucking Flyers fans like, a yeah. break here, because this is ridiculous. Like It's absolutely ridiculous that every single year, the Flyers seem to be starting out on the West Coast or in Europe mm-hmm. or with some crazy trip. Like Give them, like, give Flyers fans the chance to have the first game at home. That Please. would be really cool and good. They are going to have to win the Stanley Cup and get the banner raising <laughs> ceremony. That's it. That's the only. I, I, I'm convinced now. Like the only way, especially well, not even the first happen, game. It's going to happen this season because we're going to be undefeated in the Carter Hart era. That would make sense, and we're going to get to did Carter. We, I was going to say, did we skip like, over Carter? We're going to get to him. Yeah, we're going to. When is it like? 
Our first, first home stand isn't into. When do we have three home games in a row? Uh, probably November. It's I don't actually know. It's not this month. It's not this month. Let's see November. Uh, November the second, fifth, and seventh. We have three home games in a row. So oh, I was right. It's not till the second month of the season that we have three home games in a, like. Could, yeah, I don't. It's not about the team at this point. Just give Flyers fans yeah. a reason to get pumped. Exactly. That's the number. Like Pete, and that's I just started being me online today. I was like, well, if they can't, if they can't deal with the schedule, they're not good enough anyway. But it is about the fans. Like, it is. That's, that's fill the my building. Thing. Win two. Like get like go two zero and one in your first three, and people are like, all right, we're in first place after the first week. Awesome. Like, wouldn't that be fun? If they, you know, what's going to happen? This is what's freaking going to happen. The Flyers are going. They, they won in Europe. They're going to lose the home opener. Oh, without a doubt. Then they're going to win all three of the road games. And, and no one will know. And they're going to be four and one, and no one will know. No, everyone will be. No, <laughs> the, no one watched the game. The only thing people will be talking about is the rage room, and that'll be great. <laughs> oh, all we have is gritty. It's like, we're four and like, You know, but uh, yeah, I just, it's, it's annoying more than anything. It's just annoying. It's really annoying. And you would think, I guess my thing is that. You would think that the NHL, and maybe this is all just random computer whatever that's just popping out these schedules, but you would think at some point someone would be like, yo, maybe you should stop totally screwing over Flyers fans at the start of seasons. Especially maybe, maybe. the first month should be the easiest to get the home games because basketball doesn't start until next yeah, month. That's really true. Like, this is the time we should stack the home game, but whatever, you know, whatever. I'm just a guy on, on a podcast. Well, that, and they have their home opener tomorrow, right? And they are, not only were they giving out tickets today through Instagram and, and a scavenger hunt, but they are very actively saying, hey, we still have tickets available for our home opener, which is a that's Wednesday good. night against the fucking Devils. Like, and Wayne Simmons' first game back in Philly. Yeah, no, that's going to be a big deal, but also fuck the Devils. Yeah. Fuck yeah. the Devils. But they are a longtime rival, and I get no one comes out on a Wednesday to see the when Devils. When was the last time you watched a, a Devils-Flyers game and did not fall asleep? I mean, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm doing post ten my, years my, ago. My <laughs> right? po- my post game, yeah, probably uh, the game Eric Lindros got knocked to sleep uh-huh, uh-huh. was probably the one car bomb yeah. one. That's the only yeah, one the I car- can't remember. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's. I just, Man, uh, it's a. I know all uh, like all sports are different now in terms of how attendance works and everything. But did you ever think we'd get to the point where we're, we're a day out of the home opener and the Flyers are like, good seats still available at the War Memorial Coliseum? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just it's a bummer. I just want them. To it be is so a bummer. Good. All right, let's talk about Carter Hart. Um, this is another thing. I'm actually, I'm looking for standing room only seats. Maybe I'll go tomorrow. This is. I, I really like the way Charlie uh, put his assessment of Carter Hart. I believe in your ten things again, Chuck. I hate plugging the athletic this much um <laughs> thanks man i i subscribe uh <laughs> Uh, I I really like the way you put your assessment of it is that if this is his floor and his floor is perfectly fine NHL goalie yeah. this is like was that Carter Hart's best game no. no were any of those goals really like oh come on Carter no but you'd want him to stop one or two he had some really nice saves as well but if this is the worst we see out and you know he'll have a stinker here and there sure but if this is like baseline Carter Hart good start Good, fine start, I would say. It's the kid's first season opener. Uh, all the pressure of this global series thing. I liked what I saw for the most part. I like that he, he responded well after that awful Switzerland game. Yes. Because that, you know, we forget, sometimes we forget that he's 21 years old. And sure. like, that was a game against a non-NHL opponent that he 
objectively speaking, look like trash in. And it could have been very easy for him to just kind of be like, oh, God, what's wrong with me? I am a mess. And instead he came out and he just played well. He didn't play great, but he played well. And there was they never won. there was never a moment in that game where you were worried that they were going to lose it. Yeah. At the very end, because I well, thought it would be... that's just your PTSD. Well, I mean, they were... They were <laughs> listen, one goal lead with the other team as the net empty. I'm like, this is going to overtime. <laughs> like, it's just... This is going to OT. And then, you know... I think we could win in a shootout, but who knows? Anyway, yeah, no, I was I was fine with Hart. I'm not. I wasn't. I was a little disappointed because I wanted to see him come out and dominate and just yeah, be like, well, yeah, sure. But Everybody wants we to see all him, want like, him have a we 930 all, saber yeah, sandwich and win the Vesna. We just yeah, we want him to we want him to be Dominic Hasek, and there's you know that probably doesn't exist yeah, anywhere. He showed up for the game. Yeah, yeah, he was legend. There. Yeah, yeah. what do you think, Steph? Of Carter Hart? Yeah, he's perfect. He is perfect. He's I a, mean, it was his. He was starting the season. Um, he was not drunk on neither chocolate nor beer. Um, well, we don't know that. We well, not as bad as he was during the Switzerland game. Yeah. Wow. Well. Um, there was, I think, probably one goal that he could have stopped, but the other ones, like, it's fine. It's fine. He's fine. Yeah. Undefeated in the Carter Hart. And I will not be handling him with these kid gloves all year. I'm just saying, for the situation, he was fine. That's all. So here's the thing. The reason that you were nervous about this game going to overtime is because we have had such shit goaltending for so long yeah. that we aren't used to a goalie just being fine. And it's like, he's fine. And if that's the worst of it, we've been looking for that for quite a while. So it's a nice change. Like, I don't think that we're going to have to worry so much about a goalie blowing that one goal at the end of a game the way that we used to because he's actually good. Mm. Even no, when he's bad. Completely agree. No, he definitely has that mental toughness aspect of the game down. We've known that about him for a while. Everyone says he's mature beyond his years. I don't think any moment's ever going to be too big for the kid. Uh, it's just, you know, first game, I was nervous about it. I'm glad they came out with the victory. We all have PTSD. It's sure. Just, that's just how it's it is. true. And speaking of things that are uh, exacerbating our PTSD, he's still here. Chris Stewart, oh. still with the team. Oh, who cares, I was like, hold though? on, which one? Which one is still here? <laughs> He's still with the team. Uh, I think he had. He I was... saw Dave Haxtall at Geno's the other day. He's coming back. <laughs> he's he's hanging. Yeah, he's running hanging Geno's around. probably. Uh, he's wearing a fake mustache. Chuck, talk me off the ledge with this here. I mean, I I don't really know if I can. Like, I just I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. I I talked to Stewart today after practice, and how's he? I mean, he's he's a good dude. There's a reason why everybody was doing those those big cover stories yeah. on him because he's a good dude. I mean, he they had him playing defense today, and he was. I, I asked him about like when was the last time he played defense at a practice, and he was like, I was out there pretending I was Dustin Bufflin. Like, I mean, he's a good guy. It's just whether he's still a good hockey player or not, I don't know. But um, but anyway, I think I do. <laughs> but no, I, I don't know. Like, look, there the next pivot point, I guess is going to be when they finally resolve this Walensky situation. Because we asked for an update on Nolan Patrick today, and Fletcher basically said, still week to week, no change. So it seems like Walensky is going to get cleared and waived before Patrick gets cleared to play. Because Walensky is actually practicing with the team and Patrick is not. So that'll be the first time we see just how serious they are about this Chris Stewart thing. Because theoretic right now... Here's the thing. Right now, they don't 
have the space to sign Chris. Yeah, whether they want him Even or not, they want irrelevant. Not, they can't. They have like $250,000 worth of cap space. They can't sign him. The league minimum is like a little under $700,000. Like $650,000 yeah, or like, $695,000 yeah, or something. Like you can't sign him. So the first time they will be able to sign him will probably be when they get rid of, rid of Walensky's contract. Now, I've proposed the possibility that maybe when they do that, they will just recall Phil Myers and then run with eight actual defensemen. They could plausibly sign Chris Stewart after they get rid of Walensky, and that will be the first time where we will probably get an idea as to just how into this Chris Stewart thing they are. Now, do you think that's plausible? I think it could happen. He is still here. Right now, but it makes still, sense. He, right now, but he makes sense because there's nobody else. And the, because of they what they want no forwards. Because of what they want for practice, like you said today, he's the eighth defenseman in some of the drills, and they can run him out there, use him as that third winger. Where uh, he was switching off with Terensky, I think I saw today. So right now, for practice purposes, it makes sense. I'm starting, and again, we're one game in, and we've talked about this Nolan Patrick thing. If they put him on LTIR, he has to wait at least ten games. My thing, and I relate this more to Phil Myers. If they were like, if this was just a cap issue and Myers was going to come out, come back when all this was resolved, wouldn't you just LTIR Nolan Patrick? Because realistically, how is he going to be in game shape, ready to play in the NHL before the 10 game it's mark? It's not just that, though. Like, okay. the, the thing with long term IR is, I mean, that's the easiest way to describe it is that, well, you, you want to give Patrick the chance to come back. But if you tap in a long term IR, that means you're not banking cap space. Okay. And banking cap space matters because that gives you more flexibility later the in the year. Not even just on the deadline. I'm talking about throughout the you year. Know, yeah. If a guy gets injured, if a guy gets sick, he has the flu, he can't play. You want to call someone up. Like it's just easier to do those things. Everybody get your flu shot. Thank you. Good call. Uh, but it's easier to do those things if you've banked some space, and that's why unless you have no other choice, it is. Tend, it is better not to use long-term IR, even if a guy sh- like very well could be placed on it. Like I suspect Nolan Patrick could be placed on it if they really wanted to. So it's not just the ten games, okay. twenty-four days thing that could be giving them pause as to you know why they haven't tapped into LTIR yet. How are we feeling? And we're gonna move around some ideas here. How are we feeling? Because there's a lot of uh, there's some people upset about Felix the Cat. People, in the wait, ECHL. Wait, Flyers fans upset? Yeah, I know. No. I set up a lot of topics that way, and it's like, <laughs> I can't believe people are mad about our sixth goalie. <laughs> and I, like, I'm not trying I'm to amaze the Flyers I'm fans not trying to undersell something. what Felix Sandstrom is eventually supposed to be. But like, we have no idea what this guy actually is. And he's getting sent to the ECHL, and people aren't too happy about it. How do you feel? Because Kelly's our number one Felix Sandstrom fan. How are you dealing with this uh, great, uh, this great mistake by the uh, by the organization here, Kelly? I mean, I don't care very much, except <laughs> that I think that we were all kind of excited to get a good look at him yeah. over here for the first time. And let's be realistic: no one gets a good look at the Reading Royals for anything. They're not so, that far away. Who's is, driving to Reading? Is, Charles, is Reading nobody. like that much further than than Allentown? No, no. But Brad lives who, there, yeah. or ish, ish. Yeah, it. I just was excited to see him play in the AHL, and since that's delayed a little bit, it's a bit of a bummer. But at the end of the day, like honestly, it's not that big of a deal. Isn't this? I'm gonna I'm gonna actually throw this to Charlie because I think you tweeted about this. Didn't we know this was going to happen? 
so yes, but I think people didn't want to believe it. Okay, so, like I, they did talk yeah. about it in the off season. Uh, right? I lived that life a lot. Yeah. Well, they talked about Sandstrom and Ustamenko are both coming over. One of them's going to the ECHL, and that was very obvious after they also bring, brought in uh, JF Barubi. Not Craig Barubi. Yeah, Craig not, yeah, I almost said Craig. That's why I had to stop there for. But it just was like, all right, you know, Alex Lyon, most likely third on our depth chart at this point. And if we're yeah. going to, you know, if he's going to come up at some point, which is totally possible with a 34 year old backup with a history of injuries. Um, we're going to need another experienced goalie down there because nothing kills you worse than bad goaltending. It just ruins your chances of really doing anything. It's really hard to judge. If we're using it as the developmental league, yeah, wins and losses don't matter as much, but it's so hard to judge a guy when he's like minus three and he played a great game. And I just think having a more experienced goalie helps you out with that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think a lot of this frustration stems from... PTSD? Well, well, sure. But (laughs) it it stems from the fact that I think a lot of people just did not understand why the hell they signed J.F. Rube. That's a good point. Because the thought process was, okay, Lions under contract for one more year. Ustamenko is probably playing in the ECHL because he's really never played at a high level, even in Russia. And then Sandstrom will tandem with Lyon. And then when on July 1st they went out and they signed J.F. Brube, it was like, okay, well now what happens? Because he's an AHL goalie. Sandstrom is presumably an AHL goalie because he's been at least passable in the SHL, which is a pretty darn good league. It's right around the same Comparable. Quality. Yeah, I mean, it's a, probably a little bit worse in the AHL, but like not in all facets, and they are comparable. So it just, I think that signing just threw everyone for a loop, and the the... The thing that I, that, that I posted, this was an article that I did in July when we did our top 20 prospects at The Athletic. And I sat down, I didn't sit down with, I had a call with, with Brent Flair and I asked him about all 20 of the guys we ranked and Felix Sandstrom was one of them. And my question, because I wasn't sure what they were going to do, so I wanted to flat out ask him. And my question was, you know, Chuck had mentioned on July 1st, the plan is to make sure Sandstrom gets a lot of games in his first season in North America. But Alex Lyon's still under contract. J.F. Ruby was signed for depth. And Ustamenko's coming over as well. So how does Sandstrom get all those games? Is the expectation he's going to lead the group in Lehigh Valley like Hart did last year before he got called up? And Flair's answer was this. Well, we'll see if he's really ready. He can certainly challenge there. But for him, he hasn't played a ton of hockey over the last few years. He's a guy we want to play, not just sitting back up. So whether he's in Lehigh Valley or he's in Reading, whatever the situation is, we want him playing. Now, that was the first time I had heard anyone mention the possibility of Reading. And the fact that he brought that up without me even presenting that as an option. My, the option I presented to him was, is he going to start over Lyon? And Flair's response was, well, don't rule out Reading. So that was when I was like, he's probably going to spend some serious time in Reading as they try to make sure he gets a lot of starts. So for me, it wasn't a big shock. But I know I was in a couple Twitter conversations in like August, and I sort of brought that up as a possibility. And people were like, yeah, they'll never do that. I'm like, yeah, I'm well, just, they might. <laughs> I'm looking at his numbers, right? Like since 17, 18, he's played about 38 total games. And that's, like in the last two years. You know, like that... Uh, 16, 17, he didn't really even play that much. I'm looking at 22 and 6, and then 11 more internet. Like, he hasn't played 100 games in the last three. I, it's just, you want to see. He's the one thing we haven't seen, Adam. We've seen him be good on the international stage of juniors, we've seen him be good in certain leagues like the SHL. 
in short stints of time. We've never seen him play a ton of games. No idea yeah, if he's, he's capable of it. Yeah, we. Yeah. The reps are the first thing, and guess what, guys? We went through 150 goalies roughly last year, <laughs> and that was why they signed Bruce. Yeah, that's, like that's what it boils down. To. And you can you can make a case that it was an overreaction to a year that wasn't going to be repeated. But at the same time, you prove that you yeah. can't blame them no. for being like, you know what? We're not going back down the Calvin Picker train. But that's, we're not trading for Mike. We're not claiming Mike. McKenna. Yeah, that, that, that shit ain't happening. I guess the argument, the only argument I've seen there is Barubi doesn't, considering the other roster gymnastics we have to do around it, like sending Sandstrom down and all this different stuff, does Barubi represent more, like, is how much better is he than McKenna or Pickard? A- any? I mean, at least he's part of the organization. He's, he's here. I get that. Yeah. That's, that's the big I'm not thing. disagreeing with it. I'm Pickard just asking. sucks. A lot. Okay. Um, Mike McKenna's retired. He's a nice guy. Very nice guy. No, I'm just like, that's the level of goalie when you're desperate, you just grab Yes. So, like, is Barubi better? Are we in a better spot because he just happens to be here now uh, rather than, all right, if we get in that situation again, we, like, was he not going to be available? Like I mean, that's you're not the, in a good spot. Yeah, but like, listen, if you at, lose three goalies, you're you're screwed exactly, either way. Exactly. You're you're not like. But at least you know you have a guy. As in comparison to like, yeah. if you're if your two guys get hurt and nobody's on waivers that day, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like at least you have someone. And no, I like think, our video analyst. Dress Bill Matz. Yeah, <laughs> dress Bill Matz. I, I think that good... was probably part of it. Like, look, I'm with you guys, and that I don't think Brubay's very good. He did not impress me at all at camp or in preseason games. But I think they just got him to be a body, and I don't think it's—I don't think it's ridiculous for fans to be annoyed that Felix Sandstrom isn't starting out in the AHL. But I understand why they just were like, like we are never dealing with these kind of goal yeah. issues again. And depth is cool, you know. Like, it's not bad. Sandstrom will be up at some point, and we'll all be happy. And I think it's—I mo- like—I'm bummed for Phantoms fans. That's if you were gonna yeah. go and watch the Phantoms this year, it's a guy you were probably excited to see. He's not there. And here's the thing: he's gonna play yeah. in the AHL yeah. this year, like, without if, a doubt. If, if you're in the Allentown area and you, you have season tickets, you're going to a lot of Phantoms games. You are going to get to see Felix Sandstrom unless he is awful yeah. in the ECHL, and I don't think he's gonna be. So, like, you will get to see him. You're just not gonna get to see him right away. Anyone surprised that uh, Kevin Hayes already part of the leadership group? I was a little surprised. Like, a little bit, but not in a dramatic way. Like, oh, okay. No, yeah. He is here for seven years. He's here for seven years, and I I think, I can't remember, I think it was Charlie telling us uh, last week about how so many guys, like, AV is new for everyone here except for Kevin Hayes. People are going to him to kind of that is true. Just to uh, hey, what's up with this drill? And then hey, what should I expect from this? So he's part of he's someone that the coach can go to and lean on in terms of being part of that leadership circle to kind of get the rest of the team to know what they're doing in terms of and how to react to him. So I thought it wasn't that surprising, but just to see a first a first year guy and not first year in the league, but first year here wearing a letter surprising a little the point i'll make about that and i mean in a weird sort of way this kind of goes back to my hot take from the start of the show like the players vote on this yeah and i think it's it says a lot for how invested kevin hayes clearly has been from the start in this locker room to immediately get an a 
because well, that, actually he didn't want to play. Well, here, that's so. sort of what I'm getting at. But also, yeah. I'm getting at the whole idea <laughs> that like he didn't want to play for Vino because he hated Vino. Because how could any player in New York like Vino? Because all the fans hated him, so all the players must hate him too. Anyway, back to what I was saying, which was that the players vote on this. The players voted for Hayes. Clearly, that implies that Hayes, over the first month of his time here, made it a point to kind of, you know, show guys the ropes and, you know, be a good teammate and be a guy that people are starting to look to. And you know what? That's cool. Because number one, it shows he's invested in being here, which he should be considering how much money they're paying him. But number two, I think it does bode well for the fact that he's here for the next seven years. So it's not like they got themselves a malcontent. They got a guy who clearly players already are looking at as like, yeah, he's one of our team leaders. And that's that doesn't happen often, especially not for like if they were to went if they were to go out and get like a superstar. Yeah, you're probably just throwing him the A because he's the best player on the team. Kevin Hayes is not one of the best players in this. No, team. When, so they gave him that A because yeah. they're like, hey, he's going to be a leader on this. team. When that's you cool. go and get Tavares, you go and get Forsberg. Yes. It's like, guess what? You get a letter. Exactly. But like, yeah, Kevin Hayes is not Claude Giroux. He's he just he just isn't. Uh, but I, I I think it's cool, and I do think it kind of speaks to like Charlie said his uh, his willingness to show that he's all in. Yes. After Which some is good. after some of the reports we heard from certain circles of the uh, people who cover the team, so I'm happy to hear that. Uh, I hate to plug a certain. Other hockey podcasts, not anyone. Flyperbole? No, you know I hate Flyperbole, but I do, <laughs> I, mean... I, do, I do say their name on this. No, it's someone no one here likes, but it's, uh, so I won't get into their name, but they had Mike Richards on it as, as a guest. Did anyone, uh, right, right, right. Did anyone oh, hear this one. interview? I did. I, I keep to meaning it. to listen to yeah, it. I listen to it. Um, uh, Mike Richards is like one of my favorite flyers of all time. Just one th- I wanted to talk about it a little. It's a little old now, but we haven't, I don't think, done a show since, uh, but... I just, man, looking back now, some of that stuff was so overblown. And it's his side of the story. Like we always say, there's multiple sides. There's like nine sides to every story. But he got into the Dry Island stuff. And the more uh, he talked about it, the more it kind of just sounded like the, um, Kelly, you'll like this analogy. You know, in Days of Confused, when they're trying to get Randall Pink Floyd to sign the like yep. I'm not gonna party or have sex thing. It just sounded like that. Like <laughs> all these guys were like, I won't drink, and then they did. And Richards and some of his buddies were like, I'm not gonna sign this thing because guess what? I'm gonna have a beer with dinner, and I'm not gonna lie to my teammates. Like it's it it gave an interesting perspective on the Mike Richards era. Uh, and I that was I mean. Man, we haven't been as good since, I'll tell you that. And uh, mm-hmm. he, the way it all ended with Richie, he wouldn't comment on his current relationship with Dean Lombardi, but said everyone was really cool when he got there. <laughs> it's it's a good listen. I'm not going to – you can find it. Most people know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it was it was a cool interview. It was good to hear from Richards again because he hasn't said too much since, uh, you know, his – no, he like disappeared. Yeah, he's, he's he like went fishing forever. That's, yeah, he, that's he got, what he's doing. He, that, yeah, yeah he just cabin. he just hunts and fishes every day. He's being Mike Richards. So. I think he just got engaged, and by just I mean sometime within the calendar year. No, good idea. for him. No, the the part of that interview, honestly, that made me the like the most sad, truthfully, was just how adamant he was that like that core would have won a title. Yeah, like he was just like you know, it kills me that that group didn't get a chance to try to win a title because we would have won a damn title. I don't know if he said it directly, but it was kind of like, how often do we hear you can't get rid of twenty five guys, so you get rid of the coach, and the organization just went the other way. 
They're like, we're getting rid of our leading goal scorer <laughs> and our captain, and we're keeping the coach. A coach who we all, like, listen, I love Lavi. Uh, not to say he didn't have his, his stubbornness and his flaws, but I love him. But, like, it's a coach with a shelf life. You know that to begin with. It's not like he's going to be well, here. at the time, I don't I think know, they did. I know, I know, I think know. at the time, they were like, well, he, you know, he won a cup with Carolina, and then things went bad. But I, I think... And maybe they shouldn't have thought this because, like, it was the Flyers and they fire a coach every four years anyway. Yeah. I mean, under under Clark and under Snyder, that's just what they did. It's but I, but I But I do think they looked at that as, like, Lavi's our dude. You know, and mm-hmm. maybe they were lying to themselves by saying that, but I think they were saying that. Lavi's yeah. our dude. And if these guys aren't on board, because that was the one thing Richards was very open about. Richards was very open in that interview that, like, him and, him him and, Lavi, and Lavi did didn't not get along. Get along. Yeah. Like, there was some stuff that you could tell, like, he was holding back on. He wasn't mincing his words. It was like, yeah, me and Lavi did not. He was. He basically said something to the extent of like, Lavi treated Pronger like the captain, and he said, that and the, the boys in the room were like, what's going on? Yeah, and, and I think what what Richard said that was interesting was that one one of the guys basically asked him like, there were all these rumors about you butting heads with Pronger, and you know, take obviously take it with a grain of salt. But Richard was like, honestly, me and Pronger got along fine. It was basically just the fact that Lavi treated Pronger like the captain made me mad at Lavi. Didn't yeah. make me mad at Pronger. Mm-hmm. It made me mad at the coach. Yeah. So it was cool. It was just cool to hear from Mike Richards. Uh, we're going to wrap it up in a second, but I want to say, hey, Ice Sports back, everybody. You, Woo! you waited all summer for it. We did our season predictions. Uh, we're going to get more into some metro Metropolitan Division stuff probably this week. It's going to be fun. We're going to do deeper dives into the entire league as we have. Uh, you waited all summer for it. It's back. Does anybody have any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Just- Florida's losing 5-1 to Carolina, which makes me happy because fuck you, Joel Quenville. Yes, fuck you, Joel Quenville. I have more to say after this one game that I have had all offseason, so thank God hockey is back. Yeah, it's really... It's just, this thank was God a, hockey is back. It was a long summer. It was a long summer. <laughs> and got, it was a long four days between games. Uh, four years. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's the um, the meme from Titanic? Or the, the it's been eighty two years. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. That's how long it's been since I've watched Travis Konechny play hockey. Just Travis. That's Travis it. Konechny. Next, Brad Marchand. All right, everybody. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Leave us those good reviews. We love good reviews. I need people's acceptance and just their kind words. It's what I live on. Uh, strangers. Not like anyone I know, but the strangers who listen to the show. <laughs> oh, no. It's uncomfortable when it's yeah. people that you know. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks for hanging out, everybody. My name is Bill Matz. For Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about-